Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey everybody, welcome to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, high atop the radio world in the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios here in Portland. We welcome all of our affiliates on the Barbecue Nation radio network through Sun BGI. I uh, also like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. And it's from the Pacific Northwest and it's beef the way nature intended. Uh, it's really my great pleasure. We've had him on the show several times over the years, but uh, it's got a brand new book. Stephen Reichlin is uh, joining us today. He's His new book is How to Grill Vegetables, the new Bible for barbecuing vegetables over a live fire. And Stephen, first of all, welcome. Good to talk to you again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Is this what, your 400th book? No, this is actually <laughs> number 32. Okay. I just, I think you're going to set a record before you're done. I just, well, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, uh, Isaac Asimov wrote something around 400 books. So uh, I don't know that I'll quite, quite make it that far. Well, maybe a record in the, uh, the cookbook world. How's that? All right. I'd, I'd be happy with that. Sure. So, um, you know, through all of your, all of your work, um, Barbecue University, Project Smoke, Barbecue Bible, the list goes on and on. Um, this one is about vegetables, although I noticed you snuck some bacon in there, here and there. A uh, little bit of bacon, a little bit of prosciutto. Yeah. Uh, there's some shrimp. You know, uh, it's sort of the mandate was uh, mostly vegetable. Vegetable forward is what we call it. But when a particular vegetable will taste better with a little meat, then... By God, a little meat it will have. There you go. I like that a lot. Me being a, well, you've seen me, a six-foot-tall carnivore. How's that? Right. Uh, <laughs> so let's kind of start with this. A lot of people get a lot of information on the Internet. It's there. It, there's other books written about this or sections of books written about grilling vegetables. What is in your research and your personal experience over the years, what is the biggest mistake? And I'm not starting off on a negative note here, but what's the biggest mistake people tend to make when they try to, you know, blister some peppers on the grill or something? Well, I think the biggest mistake is thinking uh, that one size fits all. In other words, that there's one method you can use for every vegetable. And in fact, you know, vegetables are as varied as uh, the different cuts of uh, beef. Mm -hmm. And some vegetables, your vegetables with a high water content like zucchini and peppers, uh, do well from high heat direct grilling. On the other hand, uh, your harder, firmer, denser vegetables like potatoes, sweet potatoes, winter squash, those do better uh, with uh, a uh, indirect method at a more moderate heat. Sure. Uh, 
vegetables, some vegetables uh, like eggplant and peppers do really well uh, when they are cooked caveman style. That is laid directly on the embers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you char the skins and the smoke is driven to the center of the vegetable. And it just gives you a dimension of flavor you could never achieve indoors. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you were um, starting the process of this book, because I think when I talked to you, it's, oh, it's been over a year that you said you had this book coming out this year. Official publishing release date is uh, today. So um, how did you make the selections of what you were doing? Because these are your recipes, aren't they? I mean, you created this. Well, they are primarily my recipes, but like all of my books, I mean, if I get a recipe from someone else or an idea from a restaurant or a grill master I've met on my travels, you know, I always give credit where credit is due. But even if a recipe comes directly from somebody else, it's been refracted through my kitchen and my sensibility. So <laughs> I might make uh, the zucchini burnt ends, for example. That's a perfect example. Uh, the concept of slicing zucchini paper thin, then weaving those strips onto a skewer. Uh, that comes from uh, Russ Falk, who's the, uh, the de- designer for Kalamazoo Grills. But then the idea, you know, he did it with, uh, with a garlic dill butter. And I thought, well, if it's a burnt end, let's really make it a burnt end. You know, let's dust it with uh, barbecue rub and brush it with barbecue sauce. So that's sort of the collaborative process that happens uh, with the recipes in the book. Well, I think they're great. I mean, I, I can't tell you that I've read every recipe in the book, but I've read a ton of them. So I'd, I'd like to kind of get started kind of right at the front, really. And one of the things that you, you say, you, you know, really your first chapter is nine easy steps to, to grill vegetables like a pro. You look at the mm-hmm. picture, the picture is beautiful. <clears throat> Um, I'm a big fan of, of grilled or smoked, uh, like cherry tomatoes. I love them. Mm. You know, they're so good. And of course, asparagus, you mentioned in the book that asparagus is the the go-to vegetable for a lot of people to grill. But when you were, when you were doing this and putting these together, there's several, well, there's probably hundreds, really, if you look at it, like, uh, recipes to smoked tomatoes. How do you come about and say, this is what we want to do? Well, tomatoes, you know, smoking is interesting in general because I love smoked foods. In fact, I mean, I wrote a book called Project Smoke and I have a TV series called Project Smoke. But smoking vegetables can be quite challenging. If you think about smoking a meat, meat is essentially porous, right? So it absorbs Mm -hmm. smoke very easily. Whereas vegetables are, they, they, they do not, absorb smoke the same way and with many vegetables if you just try and smoke a vegetable in a a smoker you get what i call the um ashtray effect you know (laughs) it kind of tastes like you would imagine an ashtray would taste um so the trick is first of all if you have a a very wet vegetable like tomatoes which are cut in half they smoke beautifully because they absorb smoke the same way that uh you know a brisket or another wet moist cut of meat would absorb smoke um, on the other hand, if you're, let's say, trying to smoke something like cauliflower, if you boil it first briefly and then smoke it, 
that boiling opens up the pores, enables it to absorb the smoke. Mm -hmm. Now, boiling is kind of a funny thing because, you know, my whole career I have said, do not boil, never boil ribs. <laughs> you know, it's a mantra, it's an obsession. But it's okay to boil. Uh, it's okay to boil some vegetables. In fact, you have to, you know, uh, I like to parboil an artichoke before I grill it. Sure. Well, when you, you were talking about cauliflower, and cauliflower is actually little known fact here, but cauliflower is one of my favorite vegetables. But I like most vegetables to begin with. Mm -hmm. But when you boil it like that, you can actually see the change, like, subtly in the surface of the cauliflower. Um, and then you can put it on the grill there. Or am I illusioning, uh, having delusions, I should say? Oh, no, no, no. Ab absolutely. There is a physical change, uh, and that physical change enables the smoke to be absorbed. On the other hand, something like broccoli, you know, because you've got those, the, the florets have so many little tiny crevices mm -hmm. in there. You can, you can smoke broccoli without having to boil it first. It, it's all good. It's all good. And I'm big on dipping sauces. Uh, mm -hmm. Just me. me you know. And me too. Yeah. And I love it. I, I create little sauces when I'm fixing dinner and we have, not that people want to hear this, but if we have cauliflower in the fridge, which we do most of the time, my wife doesn't care for it. But I'll pull off a couple of florets and I'll just create some sauce while I'm fixing the rest of dinner. We may not even have any cauliflower in the dinner, but that's kind of like my little treat for myself, you know, uh -huh. and, and I create goofy little sauces with stuff, sometimes with salad dressing, sometimes with barbecue sauces, sometimes with whatever's in the fridge, so to speak. And I think that's a good way to experiment for people. I wanted your thoughts on that. You know, experimentation is the name of the game. And think about it this way. The, the vegetable kingdom is so incredibly diverse, right? It's such a huge diversity of color, such a huge diversity of textures, such a huge diversity of flavors that, you know, you've got to experiment. I mean, there's, like I said, again, there's no, you know, there's no one size fits all. Every vegetable requires slightly different handling, different fire, different condiments, different spices, uh, different application of smoke and fire. Yeah, absolutely. And um, when I was a kid, and I don't, I know you spent some time in Oregon and you went to college here and all that. We're going to talk I a little, did, a, yeah. a little yeah, bit about I that. Always, I always smile when I'm talking to you because I think <laughs> back on my uh, days at Reed College. Sure. And uh, I grew up on a farm and we had a big garden in the, in the bottom pasture. We fenced off one of the pastures and it was kind of sub irrigated and it was all really good. And my brother was the one who actually taught me to, after school, he would take me down to that, to that garden area. And we had a salt shaker stashed under a log. <laughs> okay. And, and, and you could pull carrots or green onions or melons or whatever it was and you kind of go rinse them off in the creek uh we were country boys we didn't worry about parts per billion of anything you know okay and you just put a little salt on them some you wouldn't eat with salt like the carrots if they were really sweet you didn't bother i think that's what got me really appreciating vegetables uh overall you know not everybody's going to have that type of experience but it really set me on a path and uh you know, for all my future endeavors, cooking, what have you, uh, to really appreciate vegetables. Um, that is a wonderful upbringing. And I, you know, I only wish that 
everybody had that experience, but maybe going to your local farmer's market, you know, that gives you a, mm-hmm. gives you gives sort of approximate that. Do you have those? I just got to ask, do you have those in Miami where you live? I'm sure you do up in Miami. We Marcos do have farmer's Vineyard. markets in Miami. Uh, and we also have an agricultural district called the Redlands, which is about 45 minutes south of Miami. There you go. We're talking with Stephen Reichlin. His new book is How to Grill Vegetables, the new Bible for barbecuing and vegetables over live fire. We're going to take a quick break here on Barbecue Nation. We'll be back. We'll, like, as soon as I can talk, uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Please stay with us. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Support for Barbecue Nation is brought to you in part by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for the family jewels. That's right, they obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. And here at Barbecue Nation, we have an exclusive offer for my listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code BBQ. That's BBQ at manscaped.com. So you see, Manscaped hooked me up with a whole bunch of tools uh, and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Works out great. Manscaped has created the best family jewel hair trimmer ever called the lawnmower 3.0 don't be scared it works really well and you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you use down there that's just not good kind of nasty so the lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new perfect package 3.0 which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed up cut free and smelling nice Manscaped also threw in two free gifts into their perfect package, a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs, and that'll keep your family privates feeling fresh all day, and a travel shed bag to store all your grooming goodies. Oh, yeah. You know, when you work around a 400-degree grill like I do a lot, you do not want a brush fire. Trust me on that. So you want to keep trimmed up nice, Make a little landing strip if you need to. Doesn't matter. Just keep it clean and neat down there. Because a brush fire, uh, no, you don't want that. Okay, so you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code barbecue, BBQ, at manscaped.com. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code barbecue at manscaped.com. That's BBQ, and that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Don't forget to use the code BBQ. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, your host. We're talking with Stephen Reichland today. Really quickly, before we get to chatting with Stephen again, if you want to send us a message, you can go to... Uh, barbecue nation with jt.com there's an icon there you can send me a mess- message it will get right there also we want to thank the folks over at national barbecue news every once in a while we give away some of their uh subscriptions and we'll be doing that again the first of the month and so it's all good and we're talking with Stephen reichland about his new book how to grill vegetables 
new Bible for uh, barbecuing vegetables over live fire. I was going to ask you, Stephen, you made a good point about it in the book. A lot of people, especially summertime now, the barbecuing activity kicks up quite a bit. People are going to throw corn on the grill. Um, mm. Okay. And you, well, made, you made a good point, and I'm going to let you t- take off with it here. If you throw it on with the husk on, you're basically steaming it. Yes, there is one exam- one exception to that rule, but I am definitely a husk off guy. I like to grill corn naked, as it were. <laughs> uh, and I love grilled corn so, ma- so much that there are five different grilled corn recipes uh, in the uh, book, including a really awesome one just with butter and Old Bay seasoning, uh-huh. uh, kind of a reference to uh, Baltimore, where I grew up, and another with sesame soy batter that uh, – a, uh, a reference to Japan, where I was born. But anyway, the exception to that rule is you can caveman grill corn. And what you do there, you take the corn in the husk, you lay it right on the embers of your charcoal grill, no grill grate, and you burn the husk off until you see the yellow kernel. And what that does is in burning the corn husk, it creates smoke that smokes the corn. It's the most extraordinary experience. Wow. I've never tried that, yeah. honestly. I've never tried that. I'm, I'm a, I, you know, when I was starting years ago, I did the husk thing. In fact, I'd peel off the husk, pull out the silk, put the husk back on, throw it on the grill. Yeah. That, that, we all did. You yeah. know, we didn't know. We were, uh, yeah. we were young and ignorant. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very kind way to put it. And, um, you know, then we got, I'm like you, I just peel everything off and, and put it on the grill. I think it's the best. Plus, if you've got company, and you're cooking for a group of people, there's nothing prettier than seeing the corn on the grill, you know, and some of the kernels are getting a little brown on the on the top and this type of thing. It really, I just think it adds to the aesthetic of the whole experience, besides the flavor. It, it, it is gorgeous. It's the vegetable equivalent of uh, a leopard skin. You know, leopard skin is so sexy, right? Yeah. So uh, the, the vegetable equivalent. Oh, man. Well, I've never heard it described that way, but I believe you because I think that's a very good analogy there. When when people are going to grill vegetables and, you know, they've had some experience, they've however they cook their corn or whatever, how should they prepare their grills? Well, again, it depends what sort of uh, grilling you're doing. But let's say we're going to direct grill. Which is sure. Direct grilling is how we would cook uh, how how we would cook corn. So set up your grill for direct grilling. I like to work over a hot fire. Um, I have a, a nice little trick with corn. I fold the husk back uh, and tie it up under the bottom of the ear of corn so that it makes a sort of handle. Mm-hmm. And I slide a, a, a folded sheet of aluminum foil under that so that I'm grilling the corn but not burning the husk handle. Oh, there you uh, go. It's a little bit, little bit of a fine point, but, you know, I mean, Kind of one of the re- reasons I wrote the book was to share all these little tricks and tips and fine points. Yeah. Now, do do you expect people to, you know, kind of lightly oil the grates and, and like you would well, do? Well, very interesting question. So with a whole vegetable that is unpeeled, I'm going to say this, you know, don't listen to what I'm saying, but you don't <laughs> really need to oil the grill grate when grilling corn or eggplants or peppers or tomatoes in their whole state. Now, if you're going to grill sliced squash, for example, or any vegetable where you cut into it, yes, you want to brush and oil or scrape and oil the grill grate before you grill. And in fact, I guess I advocate oiling the grill under any circumstances because it's just, you know, it's a good habit to be in. Sure. I just was curious about that because some people swear no oil 
And then other people say, you got to oil. Um, and I, you know what? I, I actually let's, think let's, it's, make, let's make it simple for everybody. Always oil your grate by dipping a folded paper towel in oil and drawn across the bars of the grate. I think let's, let's do, you know, let's do it the right way. Sure. No, absolutely. Because I actually have people come up to me if I'm at an event or I'm doing something and they'll say, you know, I read so-and-so's book and they said oil. I read Stephen's book and it says oil. The great. And then I read this other person's book and they say, I don't oil the great. Well, maybe that works for them. But, you know, if you're a person playing the percentages, if you will, you definitely want to put a little oil on there. And should they, should they be cognizant of the fact that the different types of oils uh, have, you know, different, uh, you know, combustible uh, points, temperature points and things like that? Or should they just use good old heavy, you know, vegetable oil? Well, you know, I usually use canola oil. I know that great seed oil is kind of considered the gold standard because it has a very uh, high burn point. Right. The only oil I wouldn't use, I don't use peanut oil and I don't use corn oil because I find that those do put kind of an oily residue on the grill that, mm -hmm. and, and a flavor that's kind of unpleasant. When you were a kid, did you ever think that this was what you were going to end up doing in your life? Man, <clears throat> I so did not. Uh, to the extent that I planned it all, you know, I have a degree in French literature, which I got at uh, Reed College from Reed College, uh, just up the road from where you are. Right. And I figured that I would be a uh, comparative yeah. literature professor. Uh, maybe I'd write novels on the side, but uh, I'd be an academic. And I never thought in a million years that I would uh, wind up as a food writer. But when I graduated from Reed, I won a Watson Foundation Fellowship to study medieval cooking in Europe. And that got me uh, thinking about, you know, I was in Paris, so obviously thinking about food, thinking about cooking, because I went to a, a modern-day cooking school. Uh, and the intersection of food and cooking with history and culture, because that's what I, am, what I loved in college sure. and what I still love today. It seemed like becoming a food writer would be the perfect way to combine all of those interests. Flash forward 20 years, you know, I grilled during those 20 years like any uh, person with a Y chromosome does, not particularly well and not particularly knowledgeable. But uh, Barbecue Bible came about with this kind of like a flash of lightning. And I just realized, wait a minute, people grill all over the world, but they do it differently in every culture and country. Wouldn't it be fascinating to travel around the world and document how people grill in different cultures? Looking back, my career made sense. Looking forward, you know, I think uh, my poor dad was scratching his head most of his life. <laughs> you can really make a living doing that? <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to take another break here on Barbecue Nation. And Stephen Reichlin and I will be back in just a couple of minutes. Stay with us. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. Today we're talking with Stephen Reichlin. Uh, about his new book. Before we talk to Stephen again, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Uh, from the heart of the Pacific Northwest. It's beef the way nature intended, and it's really good. 
Also, as you know, we uh, have this show out there on about, I think it's 18 social media platforms now for podcasting um, and more coming. That's all I can tell you because I have people that help me with that because I certainly couldn't figure that out. So we've got that. And also, if you'd like to email us, just go to Barbecue Nation. That's BBQNationJT.com and send me a message and I will answer it directly to you. Now let's get back to Stephen Reichlin talking uh, about his new book, How to Grill Vegetables, uh, the new Bible for barbecuing vegetables over fire. Stephen, what's the toughest vegetable, do you think, for people to cook? Ha, huh, that's an interesting question. The, the most challenging vegetable, you mean? Yes. Uh, well, uh, I would say probably something like uh, some of the brassicas are, are challenging to cook. Uh, uh, Brussels sprouts, uh, you know, which I like to use a uh, a method called uh, pan roasting, where I cut the Brussels sprouts in half and place them in a foil pan, and it's an indirect grill till they're almost tender, and then you move the pan directly over the grill. You can, of course, add wood smoke if you want. Um, I, I think the most the, the most fun example of that, you know, around here in the fall. Uh, we every once in a while we'll get Brussels sprouts that are still on the stalk. Yes. And they're about 18 inches long. They look like a, kind of a, the old grape shot, you know, you used mm-hmm. to see in the civil war, uh, civil war, uh, museums. And I bought one of those and I thought, man, I got to cook this thing whole. This is just too cool. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I wired it to a rotisserie spit and I spit roasted it on a Weber kettle with some wood smoke, basting it with curry oil. And I want to tell you, it was totally amazing. So that was probably, you know, tough in the sense of, uh, or challenging in the sense that it was not immediately obvious how you would do that. I find that fascinating. Now I will tell you, I'm not a big fan of Brussels sprouts. My wife is. Um, okay. And yeah. I think I'm sure there are many I'm sure there are many people in that position. Probably so. And I will say, and I'm not blaming my dear mother for this, but the way she cooked certain things, uh, Brussels sprouts, asparagus. I never thought that you could cook asparagus and still have it crispy and flavorful. I thought it always had to be this kind of looked like wet a, long grass. Yeah, and, yeah, good cook cook till uh, cook to death. Huh? Yeah, like that. And it wasn't it wasn't tasty at all. And then, you know, 40 years later I learned how to cook it actually from my mother-in-law who showed me said, "Well, did you ever try it like this?" and I went, "Wow. That was great." Oh, so, I'm going to try I'm going to surprise my wife this weekend and try your what you just suggested with Brussels sprouts. And I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. I'm going to give it a shot. All right. Well, I, you know, it, it works for me, so if it works for me, maybe it'll work for you. Maybe so. You never know, but <clears throat> it's worth a try, you know, Absolutely. especially if it keeps my wife happy. Um, so one of the things... Sounds, sounds like you have learned the, uh, <laughs> learned the secret to a happy life and a happy marriage. Yes, I have. It's been 31 years, and I'm really... took me a while, but I got it. Good, good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> so... We talked about it right at the beginning, and you and you have some bacon, you have some prosciutto, you have some shrimp uh, in the book uh, as an addition to the vegetables. One of the things that I really liked was um, your portobello mushroom recipe mm-hmm. in there like mm-hmm. that. Kind of walk our listeners through that, if you will, and 
give them some i mean it's a great recipe as it stands but is there any other options you could do for a protein with that uh sure so um i'm glad you picked that actually because you know here in reichlandia we are all about grilling 24 7 and uh that includes breakfast. I, I actually, I love to grill breakfast. I'm an early riser by nature, and I love to fire up my grill when it's quiet before the phone ring. But that was originally conceived as, uh, of, as a, uh, a breakfast, and it was inspired by a tool called an egg spoon, which is a hand-forged, it looks like a shallow metal bowl, mm -hmm. the end of a long, uh, a long handle. And you put oil in it, and you hold it over a campfire or a charcoal fire, crack an egg into it, and you fry the egg over a campfire. So you get all sorts of wonderful wood, wood aromas, sure. wood, you know, smoke scent. Uh, it's also very cool and because of the shape of the bowl. Unlike when you fry an egg in a flat skillet, uh, it doesn't really fry uh, evenly. But this, because it's a bowl shape, the egg gets very crispy. So that was the kind of inspiration uh, for the dish. And then I thought, well, that's got to go in a receptacle. And what better receptacle than a grilled portobello mushroom? Mm, yes. Uh, and then uh, I call it a gal It's a gaucho style. That's uh, South American cowboy style. Sure. So I took serrano ham, which I brush with oil and then grill, and that gets all crusty, and that gets sprinkled on top. And finally, a little chimichurri sauce. Yeah. So... Uh, so that's kind of a fun one. And you asked about alternative proteins. So sometimes I will grill portobello mushrooms and I'll get a grilling cheese. Like there's one called Bonfire. Uh, halloumi is another grilling cheese. And I'll actually place the grilling cheese uh, in the grilled portobello mushroom. Again, with chimichurri, whatever flavoring you like. And that is a really nice recipe, too. You know, I can catch the last flight east in about an hour and a half and be in Miami by tomorrow and we can start breakfast with that. How's that? Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I love Portland so much. I might have to come out there and do it for you in Portland. Uh, not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, actually, portobello mushrooms are one of my favorite uh, vegetables to actually work with uh, when, I, when uh -huh. I'm cooking. Um, yeah. I just, I just love them, you know, and you can do yeah, so yeah. much with them. And when I was reading your recipe there, I went, oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm down with this. I can do this. This is really okay. good stuff. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, I'm the host of the show, so I guess I get to say what I want. But um so you you had one in here too that was really interesting to me when we've got plenty of time to talk about this. You you call it a twice grilled squash with pumpkin seed praline. And I thought that was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, so um, what you do, it's an indirect grill on the squash to soften it. Remember we talked about indirect grilling for mm -hmm. kind of big, hard vegetables. And then once it's softened, uh, you actually brush it. It's, uh, it's, it's a butter and sugar, butter and brown sugar, butter, butter and honey. You brush it and then you direct grill it to caramelize the uh, surface. And then the pumpkin seed brittle, so you've got squash seeds left over. And uh, you basically make a caramel, add the pumpkin seeds, spread it out on an oiled uh, baking sheet, and then crumble it up and grind it in a food processor. And it's uh, pumpkin seed praline. It's, you know, hard to imagine a food that wouldn't taste better with it. Oh, man, it just looks delightful. Just delightful. Thank you. Can you do something similar like that with, say, acorn squash? 
Absolutely. Although my favorite way to prepare acorn squash, uh, it's the recipe. It's an indirect grill. You cut it in half. And then uh, when it's almost soft, you, you, uh, you ladle in a Parmesan custard mixture. Ooh. Put it back on the grill, indirect grill, a little wood smoke, and you wind up with your protein uh, in the center, your squash on the outside, you know, a study of different kinds of sweetness, the sweet, milky sweetness of the Parmesan, uh, the, uh, the vegetable sweetness of the squash. And, man, you're making me hungry here. <laughs> Well, you know, when you when we were talking in the first segment and I said I, I we were talking about cauliflower and I treat myself, you know, before dinner yep. like that. Uh-huh. The, one of the things I normally use with my cauliflower is uh, Parmesan. I use something with Parmesan oh. in it and, and then create some sort of vinegar and oil or some sort of sauce. But I always add Parmesan to it because I kind of dip it. <laughs> I eat like a heathen. I kind of dip it in the ramekin with that, and the Parmesan comes out, and I'm just a happy camper. That's the only thing I can. That would that would definitely do the trick. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really something. So you know, I'm I'm going to put a disclaimer in there, folks. Uh, you can create anything you want, especially with cauliflower or any of those vegetables, but dipping. But I'm going to call dibs on the Parmesan part because that. Ah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You're talking about um, some smoked carrots, too. And I don't think people think normally about when they're smoking vegetables or grilling vegetables. Carrots, for some reason, I was actually talking to a couple of people over the weekend as I was reading your book in Mother's Day. And we had some people over and I said, you ever think about smoking carrots? And all these people are into grilling and they're very good. They're very talented people. And I must say that none of them had ever really given much thought to grilling carrots. Carrots are wonderful on the grill because you think about it, carrots have a lot of innate sweetness. And when mm -hmm. you grill them or smoke roast them, uh, you bring out that sweetness. And that's one of the reasons I love grilling vegetables so much is it really enhances the sweetness. Oh, they're, they're just delightful. They're, they're really just delightful. But I guess, you know, it's the average person and there's other things that go on um, and you and I have talked about this before. People come home from work, they want to grill something, um, but it's usually try to get it kind of quick. You know, right. the family's home, they want to eat, they're hungry, you want to yeah, get on course. with your day. Um, and so uh, something like carrots or even some of the squash recipes we talked about probably don't pop into their mind, first of all, but you can do it and it's really not going to take any more time. Well, that's one of the reasons I wrote this book. You know, I, I wanted to I wanted to give vegetables their due, their credit. They are wonderful. They make our lives better. And I wanted to I really wanted to people expand people's imagination. Well, I think you've done a good job. We're talking with Stephen Franklin. New book is hitting the streets today. How to grill vegetables. Stephen and I will be back right after this. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef.
Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and uh, we'd like to thank all of our affiliates up and down the line on the Sun Radio Network. We're talking with Stephen Reichland today on how to grill vegetables. It's another very well done book by Stephen. It's it's an amazing um, the pictures and stuff. How much time do you spend? I know what you, we've talked before about your process in writing, and that takes a while for anybody that's ever written anything very seriously. But to actually, when you start taking doing the photography for the book, um, you know, all of that is a big, very exacting process. Walk us through that a little bit on yours. Well, it certainly is. So the first part of the process for me is picking which photographs will do, which vegetables will do, uh, which process shots will do, because, you know, we're trying to pick vegetables, you know, pick techniques that people might not be familiar with. Uh, this photo shoot was actually done remotely because it, it was the height of COVID sure. and I couldn't travel to it and they wanted to keep a minimum number of people in the set. So I kind of checked in by Zoom, uh, but we have a very talented stylist named uh, Nora Singley, a terrific photographer. And, you know, for me, it's not so the photography is done that the book really comes alive. True. True, because that really, that's like, um, you know, well, we know that people do visual, do better visually. And when you yes. when you can see that and there's the recipe, it's incredible. Okay, yes, another absolutely. couple of things here. Your smoked eggs. I had never known that. And I've actually, I actually worked for the Japanese for a while years ago. Um, uh-huh. I guess you and I maybe have a little bit in common on that there. But. I'd never, I'd never heard or seen of uh, smoked eggs that way. Um, yeah, I've been smoking eggs for quite a while. I love smoked eggs. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, something about the egg, the way it absorbs smoke flavors. It's a very clean, pure food, and it, mm-hmm. it shows off the smoke so well. But uh, this actually came from a, from a uh, Facebook friend uh, who, uh, you know, announced that I was working on a vegetable, grilled vegetable book, and he wrote and said, you know, in Japan, we uh, do this preparation. You probably had it if you've had uh, if you've had uh, ramen because it's a hard boiled egg uh, or a soft boiled egg. Sure. That is cured in soy sauce and mirin, so it's a little bit sweet, a little bit mm-hmm. salty. And his idea was to smoke it as well as uh, as cure it, and it really came out spectacularly. Wow! I just I looking at the pictures and stuff there i went i'm gonna that's what that's another thing that i'm gonna try gotta I, try that right yeah, yeah you know i interview a lot of authors uh on the show because i think they they bring a lot to the table no pun intended for people but i gotta say huh? there's there's another writer and you that i always when i get your books i want to try the recipes <laughs> you know uh-huh. that's uh-huh. that's i mean that's what you want but and it's not just because I know you. I just think that your recipes and the way they're presented in the books, uh, really classic and uh, very good for people to kind of look at and, you know, follow that recipe as close as you can. Here's what it should look like when it's done. And it, it really works. I'm just going to put it that way. Okay. Well, now, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's very good. The other thing that I, I really liked, I've got a bit of a sweet tooth. Um, actually I've got a big sweet tooth, but your brie with uh, fig jam and walnuts, 
Oh um, uh, yeah, that's a nice one too. Yeah, and that's so simple, you know. It's it is so simple, but I'm not sure that people think about that. You know, and you don't think about it, but it really is simple. Yeah, um, I don't know at the Reichland House, but at the Tracy household, we have Brie a couple times a year holidays really you know and it's uh-huh. kind of classic pull it out of the oven and put it in there and you know people put it on their pita chips or whatever they want like that but i think what you've got here um i think something like this is gonna make make the holiday list this year i'm gonna put it that way cool yeah oh, awesome yeah it's very simple and you know it, it's got um got a little something for everybody sweet savory cheese stuff going on mm-hmm. i know you work very closely with your wife on your projects here does she ever look over your shoulder and say Stephen, no don't do that all, all the time <laughs> yes <laughs> happily she's not she's in a different state right now i never would have said that but no i mean you know uh, uh one thing about my wife she uh argues for simplicity mm-hmm. she is she she really believes in the beauty and virtue of uh, simplicity. And she keeps me honest in many senses. They, um, I don't mean to categorize people, but wives tend to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a God bless. Yeah, it okay? is. I mean, we are, you know, we are, we are lucky to have them. Um, maybe I should say we are lucky that they have us. Well, it would depend on what they, <clears throat> their attitude that day, if they felt lucky to have us, but I'm going to say that we are very lucky to have them. We are very lucky to have you. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, very uh, not too quickly here, but uh, the last thing I want to talk about, you know, grilling pineapple has become, I won't say the rage, but it has gained in enthusiasm over the last few years. You know, a Absolutely, lot of it comes yeah. a lot of it comes from your your work. But your well, thank vol- you. your volcano pineapple here, um, you got a little ice cream, you got a little grilled pineapple kind of give give them the insight on that and how you created that well that's a super fun dish um so i you know i've been grilling pineapple since barbecue bible and in this one i had the idea to paint it with molasses then crust it with a spice sugar with uh with cinnamon with cloves with nutmeg sure uh and sometimes you just never get your grill quite hot enough to get that hard candy shell so i happen to own a uh, roofer's torch and roofer's torches, that's, that's about the manliest uh, device I know for, uh, for caramelizing. Sure. So, and I did this on the show for the first time, uh, and it just blew people's minds. I had, had the pineapple in the rotisserie. I took the, rot- the uh, roofer's torch, blasted it with the ro- roofer's torch in about six seconds. You know, the thing was dark caramel candy, uh, just dark and caramelized as you could wish for. And... Um, uh, that's you know then you take the whole pineapple off it's been cored right you stand it up on a metal uh, platter fill it with 151 rum set that on fire and the burning rum uh, flows down the sides of this caramelized dark pineapple it's a dish that is both tasty but it's also incredibly uh, dramatic i love it and let's face it we why do we drill we we, we drill because of the high drama um, <laughs> absolutely um, the new book, which is available right now, um, Stephen Reichland's How to Grill Vegetables, the new Bible for barbecuing vegetables over live fire. 
Um, you can find it anywhere where you buy your books. And also, Stephen, if you want to very quickly give them your websites and stuff, just. I would love to. Sure. The website is barbecuebible.com. And uh, you can order the book uh, on the website, and that's B-A-R-B-E-C-U-A-B-I-B-L-E.com. Stephen, we've got just a few minutes left, so I'm going to keep him for about a five-minute after hours. And until then, um, everybody, I'm JT. We'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.